Well, welcome as we are in part four of our series called Amnesia. Uh, this has been a, a series where we are just reminding uh, brothers and sisters in Christ together of who we are in, in Christ Jesus as we are wrapped up in our identity is actually found and founded in him. It's not something we do on our own. It's not something that, that we accomplish on our own. We are God's children. And we are Christians, and we wear the name of Christ. And so it's good for us to be reminded of who we are in Christ Jesus. And uh, we've, we've been talking about that for the last few weeks. That, that first week, we talked about how when we are weak, we are strong. Because what happens when we are weak? So many times we try to turn to our own strength, right? To overcome sin and temptation in our life, to overcome circumstances and situations. But we found out that when we are weak, we are strong because... That pushes us to rely on Christ and his power even more. Draws us even more um, into his presence. And it's just, it's just an amazing, amazing thing. In the second week, we read from 1 Peter of who we are in Christ Jesus. And that we, we found that, that we are called living stones. And that we're being built into this spiritual house to represent Christ to the world. Uh, he calls us a, a holy uh, and royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's chosen people calls us his special possession. That's not, that's not what we do. It's, it's who we are. It's who we are in Christ Jesus. And then last week, we're reminded that through Christ's power and with the weapons that he has given us, the, the weapons of, of Ephesians 6 and the full armor of God, that we can actually demolish strongholds of sin in our life because of Jesus' power. We can turn our back on those, and we talked about repenting and moving forward uh, with Christ Jesus. And so hopefully this has been an encouragement to you as you look into yourself. Because I, I think that so many times as Christians, we, we, I mean, if we're being honest, we just forget who we are in Christ Jesus. We, we forget what, what we represent to the world. And so many times I think because we're operating in the flesh, we try to win spiritual warfare and spiritual battles with flesh. Like we're going to do something on our own. And, and that's just not the way God intended it to be. And you won't be successful that way. And so hopefully this is an encouragement to you as we continue on in this journey today. What's amazing about God is, is how he loves us. And, and he loves us so much. And it doesn't matter um, what the world says about you. It doesn't matter things like, you know, what you look like or how beautiful you are. It doesn't matter about um, your job or some status or position that you hold within the culture or society. It doesn't ma matter your socioeconomic uh, circumstances. It doesn't matter if you have star power or ability. But that's how the world wants to define us and even define us sometimes today and wrap our identity into sin tendencies like, you know, sexual preference and something like that. It's, it's so far gone. And yet, that's not who we are as Christians. We are Christ followers. We are, it's said to be little Christ, representatives of Christ to the world. We need to remind ourselves that the devil is coming against us wanting to steal and kill and destroy even our identity. And so it's important that when we look at ourselves, we remember who we are in Christ Jesus. Our anchoring verse for this series has been Galatians 2.20, and I just want to share that again this morning. I'll let that dwell in our hearts and, and dwell up richly in us. It says this, I have been crucified with Christ, and because of that, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up 
for me. You see, Christ sacrificed. And then we are called to be, we, we studied this within the last couple of weeks, that, that scripture from Romans 12. We are called to be living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him as we represent him to the world. This morning, I invite you to uh, follow along in your Bible as we look at Scripture this morning. Uh, we really believe here at Oakwood that you engaging the text of Scripture, hearing from God, um, you do that in whatever way uh, works best for you. I know some of us love a paper Bible. I know some of you uh, may have came this morning, you didn't bring your Bible, but you brought your phone, you brought your iPad, your tablet, or whatever you have. Uh, if you download the Oakwood app and uh, open that app, and go to sermon notes. All the scriptures and all of the notes will be there for you. And we just want you to engage the word of God this morning. It's more important that you hear from him uh, than you hear from me. It's not what we do. It's the essence of who we are. And I want to remind you of a few of those things this morning. And the first one is this. We are overcomers. We are overcomers as Christians. The Bible identifies this as overcomers. In, in 1 John chapter 5, verse 4, it says this, For everyone born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. If you're a little bit old school up here in God's church, you might remember a song, a hymn of old that we used to sing in church. We used to sing it here at Oakwood years ago. Uh, the song was called Faith is the Victory. And the chorus said, faith is the victory, faith is the victory, oh glorious victory that overcomes the world. That hymn came from this verse, 1 John 5, verse 4. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. You see, we put our faith and our trust in Jesus. We put our faith and our trust in our heavenly Father, and we become overcomers of whatever Satan can throw our way in this world. Like, th that's not something that we do. You may say, oh yeah, I, I overcome all, all the time on my own strength and power. No, no, no. That's who we are because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. And faith is that victory. Even our faith, it gives us the victory to overcome the world. We are overcomers. In 1 John 5, 4, it's, it, the next verse also speaks to this. 1 John 5, 5 says, who is it that overcomes the world? Who is that? Only the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. You see, that simple belief and faith in God, that, that acceptance of Christ as Savior, of you saying, yes, I believe in Jesus as the Son of God. I believe that he can forgive me of my sins, and I believe that he can empower me, uh, like last week, to, to break the strongholds in my life. To, to overcome sinfulness and all those things. We are overcomers. It doesn't matter what this world throws at us. We can overcome as long as we lean even more into Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 12, verse 20, 21, it reminds us of this. It says, do not be overcome by evil. That's how we feel sometimes, right? Just overcome by evil. It says, do not over, be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How is that even possible? That possible on your own strength, right? You're just good, right? You just... You just overcome evil with good. No, it's because of our identity. It's because of the power we have of Christ living in us. Now, here's the deal. In 1 John, which is the first two verses that we read here, in 1 John, that author also wrote the Gospel of John. And I want you to see what the Gospel of John says. John chapter 16, verse 33 says this, and this is Jesus speaking. He said this, I have told you these things so that in me... You may have peace. Did you catch that? 
Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. And then listen to what he says. In this world, you will have trouble. Somebody say amen. Got trouble. Some of you in trouble right now. All kinds of trouble. Hardship coming your way. In this world, you will have trouble. And then Jesus says, but take heart. Why? Because I have overcome the world. The Bible goes on and says that Jesus is an overcomer, that Jesus overcame even sin and death, and even death on a cross. He resurrected from the dead. He has all the power, and that same resurrection power that Jesus has, he gives to us as Christ followers and says, follow me. I'm going to empower you to do that. I'm going to give you everything you need, the scripture says, for life and godliness, for you to live your life and not only survive, but to thrive and actually be a person that lives righteous, that lives in godliness. And Jesus did it. And he says, if you are part of my family and if you accept me, you can do it too. We ride on his coattails, right? That, that, that's, that's the awesome truth is we're riding on the work that Jesus has done. We're riding on his coattails. Now, that is not a new concept for us in this world. There are so many that ride, ride on the coattails of others. Sometimes you see that in a business situation. You see someone who's, who's done, had great success in their business, and, and then someone comes in behind them, and what are they doing? They're just riding the coattails of the people in front of them. A lot of times in the church world, that's, that's the way that it is, is we're riding the coattails of the generation of Christians and the faithfulness that went before us. How, how is it that we enjoy uh, the facility that we have here at Oakwood Christian Church I mean, have you, have you gone over to the Oak, the Oakwood Activity Center? You, I, mean, I mean, people come in here all the time. They get facility lust looking at our gym. They're like, man, I wish, you know, they're from, from somewhere else. Man, I wish we had a gym like this at our church. Folks, we're riding the coattails of those who sacrificed and fundraised for that. We're debt-free here at the church because there were those that went before us. Now, there's some of you in this room that sacrificed for years. You sacrificed finances to build something like that, and we are thankful. This is just the way that it is in the, in the Christian life, but it, it's also the way it is out in the world. I, I thought of that in the, in, the, in, the, uh, in the area of sports, too. I, I don't know if any of you are OU fans or been OU basketball fans. I know there's a lot of OU football, but OU basketball fans, I don't know if you ever knew this, but there's a guy named Stacy. King. Anybody remember the name Stacy King? Raise your hand if you remember Stacy King. Okay, several people. So, so uh, you be able to relate. Stacy King was an excellent basketball player. He was actually taken the sixth overall pick in the 1989 NBA draft. Don't quote me on that. I mean, fact check me on that. I think it was 89. He was the sixth pick. I just remember he was the sixth pick. And Stacy King was drafted by a very special team in that era. Do you know who he went to? Who's drafted to? Anybody remember? Couple of, yeah, Chicago Bulls. Now, Chicago Bulls, it's like Chicago Bulls today, you know, what, what's Chicago Bulls? And this might date some of us in the room, but maybe everyone's heard of They had this player at one time. He was called the GOAT of basketball, the greatest of all time. His name was Michael Jordan, okay? So Stacey King, is, he goes to the Bulls, and if you follow his career, I mean, you know, he played a little bit. He didn't have a super great stellar career in the NBA, um, you know, but he got to be on the Bulls. Now, there's two stories that came out about Stacey King toward the end of his career as he's retiring and, and, uh, from the NBA, and, and, and they asked him some things. And uh, one of the things that he did that was really interesting when he was at OU and playing his basketball at OU, he was a great player in college at OU, he had this tradition that at the home games, he had taken these posters that had been in his bedroom of Michael Jordan. He had three posters of Michael Jordan. 
in his bedroom, all of his growing up years. When he went to college at OU, he actually moved those posters into the locker room. And before every home game, before Stacy King would go out on the floor, he would go and he would touch those three posters. And he said, it's because I want to touch greatness before I go out there. And he just used that as kind of his, his inspiration is to be close to that greatness and go out and play well. Well, when he got drafted uh, by the Chicago Bulls, you know, he's now in the locker room with Michael Jordan, who he had on the posters. I mean, I mean, you know, the greatest, I mean, it wasn't like, you know, I mean, Michael Jordan, like, I practice against him. You know, it's like his, his, his locker is there. I don't need to bring the posters. But it was a little bit of weird thing that you do as a rookie, and rookies are weird sometimes. And, you know, uh, what he did as a rookie is on this first game with the Chicago Bulls, he saw Michael Jordan over there. He didn't have his posters with him. He thought, you know, I've got, got him right there. And instead of touching the poster, I'm going to go touch Michael Jordan. And so while Michael Jordan is getting dressed, he said, he had his shirt off. I just went over there and started touching his back. And <laughs> Michael Jordan's like, whoa, rookie, what are, you know, what, are you, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? And so he, you know, he, he shares the story that, uh, you know, that was my tradition. I would touch your posters before I would play basketball. I just thought, you're right here. And this is a little weird. And he didn't do that ever again. Um, <laughs> you know. But another thing that was interesting about Stacey King at the end of his career is, is he, he gets to the end of his career, and they're interviewing. They say, what is one of the best memories of you in your NBA career? And he goes, oh, that'd be, that's easy for me to remember. He goes, that's the night that uh, Michael Jordan and I went off for 70 points together. Michael Jordan scored 69 points. <laughs> and I made one free throw at the end. And that's actually true. Now, you hear that, and you think, Wow. What a story to tell. He, he told the truth. I mean, he and Michael Jordan combined for 70 points. Now, you hear that Michael Jordan scored 69 of them. You laugh. You're kind of like, oh, yeah, yeah. But, folks, this is who we are in Christ Jesus. Okay? Don't think that you're, as a Christian, you're scoring 69 points. No. Jesus scored 69 points for you. All you did was make one decision, one point to follow him, to surrender your life to him, and you are riding his coattails all the way to heaven. The cool thing is because of our identity, in Christ Jesus is that we get to be around the greatest of all time, Jesus. And he loves us and he sacrificed, gave his life up for us and he says, hey, I love you too much to leave you where you're at. Follow me, ride my coattails of grace and let's move forward. We need to remember who we are, that we are overcomers and it's in Christ Jesus. Here's the second truth this morning. We can overcome all temptation with God's help. Someone just said, yes. I was like, praise the Lord, right? Some of you, uh, do you believe that? We can actually overcome all temptation. Every sinful thought, everything that pops into your mind that you begin to justify and you start going toward that process of making a decision. Am I going to sin and go my way and the world's way and follow the prince of the power of the air. It says in Ephesians chapter 2, follow Satan. Or am I going to go God's way? When you come to that point, when you come to that time, I want you to know that you can be an overcomer that actually overcomes all temptation in your life with God's help. Again, let's read what Scripture says about this. This is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And I'm going to read you 13 verses here so you understand the background here because it's really cool. Uh, beginning uh, chapter 10 verse 1 says this. For I do not want you to be ignorant of the fact, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud and that they all passed through the sea. Kind of weird, but verse 2. 
they were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, if you are reading the Bible app with us this year and you're reading through the Bible, guess what? This made total sense to you, didn't it? Because you're like, oh, we're in Exodus right now. We're reading all about this. What it's referencing here is when the people of God, the Israelites, were, were getting out of their slavery in that period of time in Egypt, and they were literally running away and going into the promised land, and the Egyptians are like, hey, wait, we miss, we miss our slave workers. Let's go get them. And, and so they're chasing them, and they come up against the Red Sea. This is not good. <laughs> there, there's, no, there's no way around this. They can't make a, a track around it fast enough. And so, and God has a plan. And you know how it is, right? You've watched the Ten Commandments, you know, Charlton Heston and part, you know. Moses comes up, and Moses, and he, he, he parts the waters of the sea. God, God makes it so they actually, the scripture says they walk through on dry land. So the seabed is dry. It's not only like, like he just parted the waters and they're trying to trek through the mud. It's like the seabed is dry. They walk through on dry land, get over to the other side. If you know the story, you know, then, then it says the waters closed up. The Egyptians were following them through the through, the, through the, uh, the riverbed there, and the walls of water fall and collapse on them, killing the Egyptians. They have the victory, and now they're heading to the promised land, right? I mean, that's what it's speaking to here. It's saying that that cloud, that cloud, remember the cloud that was leading them through the wilderness? He was a pillar of fire by night and a cloud by day leading the Israelites. And all of this imagery is, is that's what it's speaking to here. It's, hey, remember. And it, and it even talked about them being baptized into Moses. They weren't really baptized into Moses. It's symbolic. And it's saying, hey, they were belonging to God. They were leaning and dependent on God for everything. Now, look at verse 3. It says, they also ate some spiritual food. What was the spiritual food? They got, yeah, they had some, and they had some manna in the desert provided for them. And they drank the spiritual drink, for they drank from a spiritual rock that accompanied them, and that rock was Christ. Do you remember the story when they didn't have water, and they're complaining about water, and Moses, you know, the rock situation, water comes from rock. And here it's saying that that, that, that rock, the spiritual rock that accompanied them, that provided everything they needed, that was Jehovah Jireh to them, that, that they were, it was Christ Jesus that he was the one. Now look at verse 5. Nevertheless, God was not pleased with most of them. Their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Why? Because of sinfulness. Verse 6. Now these things occurred as examples to keep us from setting our hearts on evil things as they did. That's why we read the Bible. That's why we're reading through the Bible in the Bible app this year. is so we can read these things and understand them. It says these are examples to us so that we don't set our heart on evil things as they did. Now look what it says verse 7. Do not be idolaters. As some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and got up and indulged in every revelry. We should not commit sexual immorality, as some of them did. And in one day, 23,000 of them died. We should not test Christ, as some of them did, and were killed by snakes. And do not grumble, as some of them did, and were killed by the destroying angel. These things happened to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Whoa. And you're like, wow, I thought you said this was positive and exciting and encouraging. This is going to be encouraging to me. Not encouraged by this so far, but we haven't read the rest of the story Verse 13, 
Verse 13 is the linchpin here where, where God gives it to us. And this is what it says. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. In other words, all humans go through this. And God is faithful. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Did you catch that? He's never going to let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. It's going to stop short of that. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. I actually memorized that verse in my teenage years. I don't remember how old I was, 14, 15, 16 years old. Folks, this was like an anchor verse for me to overcome some stuff in my life that was just not pleasing to God and, and stuff that was trying to pull me away from God. I accepted God when I was 12 years old and I was on fire for God. And, and, and you, you saw the change in me. I, I remember my parents commenting on the change in me, my attitude around the house and, and being obedient to my parents and how I related to them, how I treated my brother and sister. They could see the change. But two or three years in, you think Satan just lies down and goes, oh, they're a Christian now. There's nothing more I can do. No, he's going to try to lead them away. He's going to try to lead them astray. He's going to try to stir up strife and get you to turn back towards sinfulness in your life. And I remember my youth minister at the time giving us this verse, and I memorized it. Now, I memorized this verse in the NIV 1984. This is the NIV updated version, so it's slightly different. But it became an anchor verse for me because I needed to have this truth in my life. And so maybe you need to highlight it. Maybe you need to underline it. Maybe you just need to read it a bunch. A lot of times if you read a bunch, you end up memorizing it. And you need to know that no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he, and when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. You can stand up under his protection. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of hope for that in me that I can be an overcomer, and that I can overcome all temptation with God's help. God lays it out there in verse 13 for us. Let us stand on that truth and remember that we are overcomers in this life of whatever comes our way, all the hardships and all the things, but we are also overcomers of temptation, that we can actually be holy people, and we can actually live righteous lives because of who we are in Christ, because he is our Savior and Lord, because he gives us the power and he provides a way out for us. I hope you're encouraged by that this morning. Third thing this morning, we are forgiven and purified people when we fall short and miss the mark. Let me explain that. We are forgiven and purified people when we fall short and miss the mark. Now, how I could have said that is we are forgiven and purified people when we sin. But what sin actually means is to fall short or to miss the mark. If you look up the word sin in, in the New Testament, in the original language, it literally means to take a bow and arrow and to miss the target. Okay? This would be how I shoot a bow and arrow. <laughs> you don't, yeah, people that stand by the target, you don't do that when I shoot a bow and arrow. You stand behind me when I shoot. Because I've tried it before. I'm just, that is not a skill set I have. Now, you give me a gun, it can be pretty sharp. Okay? But... This bow and arrow thing and, and like balancing it and, man, it's got some torque on that thing, you know. And, and, but that's what it means to sin. God has a plan and, and a way for us to live our lives. And when we sin, we miss the mark. 
we don't hit the target. That's literally what it means. But we need to remember that we are forgiven and purified people when that happens to us, if we're in Christ Jesus. Look what it says in 1 John. We're back to 1 John. John's speaking to us today. 1 John chapter 1, verse 9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. From some unrighteousness? No, from all unrighteousness. How is this even possible? It's because of Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave. He has that resurrection power and he gives us that resurrection power in our lives to resurrect us out of a sinful life and to go a new direction in life and to follow him. We are forgiven and purified people when we fall short and when we sin, and when we miss the mark in life. And if we just confess our sins, he is faithful, but he's also a just God. He's faithful and just, but he will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Here's your part and my part in this. This is our part. We have to own our stuff to God. You got to own your stuff. When it says confess there, it gives you the idea of actually speaking your stuff to God. That when you confess your sins, you're actually saying them out loud. You're owning your stuff. Sometimes we, we, we want to skip that step. We just want to pray, God, forgive me. And we don't want to confess our sins. Why do you think confession is this thing in the Bible? There's even scriptures that say, confess your sins to one another, that you may be healed. Why, why, why would confession be a big thing? It's because it's an acknowledgement of our depravity and are missing the mark and the shortfalls and, that we have in our life before a holy and mighty God and acknowledging our overcoming those things in our life is only because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what's amazing. I know I shared this last week. Is when God looks down from heaven and sees us, when we have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the blood of Christ is a filter and we look white and pure and holy and blameless before a holy and mighty God. And I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm like, dude, that is craziness to try to wrap your mind around this concept that when God sees me, he sees me as holy, even though I'm sinning, and it's not because of something that you can do, it's because of the grace of Jesus. It's his blood covers all of your sins. And you are forgiven by Jesus, not on your own. You're purified by Jesus, not on your own. But then we become these overcomers that are not overcome by our sin anymore. But we find that as we walk with Jesus and we're closer to Jesus, we're in less proximity to evil. We're in less proximity to sin. And we start living holy and righteous lives, which the world looks at and goes, ah, something different about them. They don't look and act and, and produce the things that other people do. You see, our part in this is that we confess our, our sins, we own our stuff to God, and then we repent and turn away. We repent, we go a different direction, we change our mind about it. We own our sinfulness, we own our struggles, and we remember that he is faithful to purify us and forgive us and provide a way out of our temptations in the future as well. This isn't what we do. This is just who we are because we are Christians. This is who we are in Christ Jesus, which leads us to the last thing this morning. We are more than conquerors. 
We are more than conquerors. Now, to you and me, I'm like, dude, let's just be a conqueror. I'll take that. I don't need to be more than that. I'll just conquer. I'd love to conquer some stuff in my life. Yes. But then the Bible says, no, we are actually more than conquerors. Let's see where it says that. It's found in Romans 8. I want to skip up and start with verse 35, which kind of lays the foundation for this. Verse 35 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who's going to separate us from God's love? Shall trouble? We got trouble, right? No. Or hardship? Anybody going through some hard stuff, hardships in, in here? No. How about persecution? How about just basic life needs like a famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He's trying to put categorically out all of these troubles and things that can happen in this world. And he says, hey, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And then you go down to verse 37. He says, no. No. In, in all these things, all these things, all of them, all of them, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And then listen to what he says. Like stick out your chest a moment. He says, for I'm convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels nor demons, nor the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus paid it all. He paid that price on the cross. We are called to walk in newness of life because of what Jesus did for us. And because of that, it doesn't say, hey, you guys are conquerors. It says you are more than conquerors. Literally, you are super conquerors. What does that word mean if you drill, if you drill down to it? That means that you have a decisive victory. Literally what it meant in the Greek lexicon when I studied and looked it up, it said that you vanquish beyond. Vanquish means that you have ultimate victory. Okay, let's, let's put this into today's terms, okay? It's a blowout win. It's a blowout, okay? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a blowout win, like what the Chiefs are going to do to Cincinnati Bengals tonight, okay? It's going to be a blowout. There's a reason. Hey, but let's be honest here. It's a reason his name is Burrow, right? He burrows into the ground and just burrows a little tunnel. Yeah, okay. No, seriously, though. We get a blowout win. This isn't we're beating Satan by one. Think, think, think basketball now. Think, let's shift. Think basketball now. We're not winning by four. We're not winning by 10. We're not winning by 20. We're winning like 160 to three. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That was a spiritual thing to that, see? But it's like a blowout win. That's what it means to be more than conquerors. But what frustrates me sometimes is I walk around, I see Christians that don't even act like conquerors, let alone more than conquerors. But that's who we are. It's not what you do. It's who we are in Christ Jesus. When you allow your life to be changed and molded by Jesus, this is what happens, folks, is we, we become more than conquerors. Let, let me say it a different way. It's something I'd heard a long time ago. I'm a Bible-thumping, pew-jumping, Jesus-loving, devil-shoving, blood-bought, red-hot, soul-redeeming, shouting-screaming, overcoming child of God because of Jesus. So, so say that back to me. I want to hear it. <laughs> I'm a Bible-thumping, pew-jumping, Jesus-loving, devil-shoving, blood-bought, red-hot, soul-redeeming, shouting-screaming, overcoming child of God because of who I am in Christ Jesus. It's not on my own. It's because of him. 
got me thinking about, got me thinking about the uh, movie uh, Rocky. Any Rocky fans here? Not Rocky and Bullwinkle, not that movie. Rocky <laughs> Balboa, come on now. Some, got some Rocky people up in God's church? Okay, good, then, then all three of you will be able to relate to this illustration then. Um, <laughs> Well, no, Rock, Rock you know, we, we all love Rocky, right? I mean, you know the story of Rocky. I just give you a brief synopsis, you know, spoiler alert, all that stuff. You know, Rocky won. He fights Apollo Creed. goes 15 rounds, comes to a decision card, and they give the victory to Apollo. And, of course, everybody was like, no, nah, that ain't true, right? That's not what happened. And even Mickey, do you remember Mickey? Mickey was was Rocky's trainer, and R- R- Mickey was so important to Rocky, getting Rocky to believe in himself, getting Rocky trained in the way that he should go, and he was always in the corner for Rocky. Then you get to Rocky II. Rocky II goes back against Apollo Creed, and this time, he wins. Oh, it's so great. And then he's thinking, okay, you know, I'm not sure I want to box anymore and stuff, and then you get into three, and there's this thug guy named Clubber Lang. Do you remember Clubber Lang, played by Mr. T? I uh, pity the fool want to fight me. I'll pound him face the ground. You know, it's Mr. T, you know, and, and Clubber Lang is, is challenging. He's calling out, and, and Rocky's like, oh, I'm not fighting anymore. Finally talks him into a fight. Mickey's getting old, though. Remember, Mickey was having some health problems, if you know the story. And there's this brawl kind of backstage right before the big fight, and Clubber Lang actually pushes Mickey. And Mickey goes into cardiac arrest. But the fight has to go on. They're not moving the fight because of Mickey. Mickey's not fighting the fight. But if you know the story, he gets in the ring, Rocky and Clubber Lang, and Rocky gets knocked out round two. And the whole time, they, they, they paint this picture as you're watching the movie, is that Mickey is not in the corner anymore. He's, his trainer and his coach and, and the one, and, and he's not there anymore. I mean, and you guys remember, like, all the training that he'd done. You know how this goes in Rocky, the training you know what happens when they're training? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Preacher steps, preacher steps. It's rocky. I mean, I had to do that, okay? But Mickey had trained him. Not only that, Mickey had got him believing in who he was. And when he looked over in the corner and there was no Mickey, he loses the fight. You remember what happens? He goes back into the locker room and Mickey's laying on the table. He's like, he's like, you know, Mickey, we gotta get you to the hospital. Adrian, Adrian, get him to the hospital, call the ambulance. And, And what happens? You know what? Mickey dies. And Rocky spins out like he can't do it without Mickey. And then of all things, you know, it's Hollywood, Apollo Creed comes to the picture. And I'm going to train you, Rocky, and we're going to get a fight with Clover Lang again. And we're going to make this thing happen. And Apollo Creed now is in his corner. And Apollo is training him. And when Rocky goes to fight Clover Lang again, he looks over in that corner and he sees, now he's got his trainer again. He's got Apollo Creed now. He's going to help him. He's going to teach him. He's the one he's going to believe in. Some of us as Christians, we are fighting a war. We talked about this last week. It's spiritual warfare. And we're trying to fight it by ourselves. And we look over in the corner and we're like, where's Jesus? Where is he? He's not in my life. I I I don't ever spend time with him. I don't read the Bible. Pray only when there's an emergency. If 
folks, that's not how it's intended to be. In Christ Jesus, when you look over in the corner and you're out there in the fight, you look over, Jesus is there. He's in your corner. In fact, Jesus is even more amazing because he will step into your fight and fight right beside you. And guess what? He's the goat. The greatest of all time is Jesus. And he says, for my children, I want you to know, no matter what happens to you in life, you're an overcomer because I paid it all. And I'm in your corner and I'm fighting with you. And it's time that you start believing that so that you can start living like a more than conqueror in this life. Not some puny faith that, oh, I just can't overcome this. In my... No. It's amazing. As you read the book of Acts, you see these disciples. And one of the things that's written about those disciples, at this one point it says uh, that the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling council, was was talking about them punishing them because of all these miracles that were happening, all this spiritual work that was going on. And it says that they noted that they were unschooled, ordinary men, but they had been with Jesus. That's us. That's our story. That's our identity. Unschooled, ordinary people that have been with Jesus. Let's remember that and let that be an encouragement to you this week as you walk out your faith.